Hey y'all, welcome to Bookish Bitches. It's not your grandmother's book club, so grandma, if you're listening, you might actually like this one. I'm Megan. And I'm Lauren. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> so we're getting another classic in there for you, Megan's mom. This one's This one's for you. I did inform her that this episode was being done tonight. So, hint, hint. Hi, Erica. <laughs> She's getting shout-outs, like, every episode. Shout-out to my mom. <laughs> we just got into, like, a little fight, because the other day, she I took a photo of her that probably shouldn't have been taken, because she was asleep on the couch while she was sick. Mm-hmm. I informed her tonight I had this photo, because she was making fun of me. And she's like, you don't want to go down this road, Megan. I got pictures from you as a baby early junior high and high school <laughs> i love that you're recounting this like mm-hmm. th- this exchange as if your mom's not gonna hear it and be like why were you talking about this on the podcast made a deal it doesn't hit facebook fair. That's fair. <laughs> facebook's an arsenal for blackmail <laughs> uh but yeah my mom might be hearing this so hi mom i love the hobbit personally and lord of the rings this is one of those books where I'm like, do we even really need to do a summary? Because if you haven't had yeah. some encounter with Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, like, where have you been? I think the only summary we can really give you guys, because everybody knows about it or has seen the movies at least by now, it's a fantasy-based world where uh, this group of people of different races go on an adventure to save a homeland of one of the races. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. My so actually, let's jump into the um the discussion then, since this is something pretty popular, should be pretty easy to talk about. Yeah. All right. Let's start with Bilbo and why he goes on this trip. So it's it's interesting because Bilbo is set up as this character who, both in the books and in the movie, we will talk about the movie in this kind of comparing because I have a lot of feelings about the movie, mm-hmm. movies. Um. But in the books and the movies, Bilbo is set up as this character who does not really seek adventure in the beginning. He likes his quiet life with his routine, and he goes about his day doing, you know, doing quaint things. He doesn't really strive for, excuse me, after burps. And most of the people in Bilbo's village, because they're hobbits, mm-hmm. are like this. They are not very adventurous. Um, it's very out of the norm for them to do stuff that's adrenaline running you know so the fact that bilbo went on this Mm -hmm. was kind of a shock and then they come back for a long time and they start selling his shit i think and it's it's really interesting because he's a sackville baggins Mm -hmm. um so he's a baggins but he's related to basically two big hobbit families so especially for him to go off and seek adventure is even more like oh scandalous but yeah no i love when he comes home and his um he wrote his a belongings are being sold <laughs> he, like, gets home and like, what the fuck <laughs> it was actually really funny i'm not gonna lie it literally the day they he he came back there's an auction for his shit just going out <laughs> they just assumed he was dead and we're like yeah we can just sell his stuff i guess but for bilbo i think for why he wanted to go along on this for me how i interpreted from the book and the movie together was that after his talk with gandalf i felt like he kind of analyzed his life and he could see everything he was going to be doing for the next like 50 years and i think he wanted to not only prove himself a little bit 
because Gandalf was like mentioning his ancestors and stuff, mm-hmm. I think he wanted to like experience a wider world because he was so curious. I would definitely agree with that because I know it's his mother's side that's very wild. All the hobbits mm-hmm. and his mom's side are pretty wild. And they do these great adventures. And for him to have such a quaint life, even though, you know, his dad is not, his dad's side's not like that. For him to, to you know, see all these things that his aunts and uncles and grandparents and great-grandparents have done. And to look at his quaint little house and be like, well, this is it. Yeah. You know, like he could actually see his entire life in a flash of his eyes and it'd be mostly correct in my opinion you know like he would smoke his little pipe on his front porch he would do whatever his job was i never really actually knew what he did but uh, i don't think he even really had a job and he would write his book but i think when he was writing that book i think he would have had a lot of like uh moments where he like writer's block because what is he actually writing about he's never really experienced a lot he has nothing to pull from you yeah. Exactly. So yeah. let's let's fast forward a little bit um, to, you know, one of the most disgusting but well-known characters in all of pop culture, Gollum. Let's talk about <laughs> Bilbo and Gollum's riddle battle, because I think that's the first time, even, even though Bilbo at this point has found the ring, that's the first time we really see him really step up. Like, he steps up in small ways before this and helps the dwarves. But this is the one where it's like, okay, Bilbo, I see you. You're smart. You're witty. Okay. I love the whole battle because if Bilbo wasn't so like educated and uh, liter- literally competent, um, <laughs> I don't feel like he would have been able to like do it because Gollum's been around the block and he was like pulling shit right out of the air. And I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. It's super interesting at the fact that the way he wins is not really a riddle because they never said you had to exchange a riddle. It was you had to answer the questions correctly. Yeah. And I like that Bilbo reread that wording. He's like, now, 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 you little gremlin. <laughs> I was going to say, what do you call that? <laughs> now, 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 Magwai. <laughs> uh, listen here, you said question. <laughs> Listen here, you What's sack of What's my bones? mother's <laughs> middle name? I would have done that one. <laughs> yeah. You I would have done that. Like, I would have done something like so personal that you can't guess it and so specific. He was like, what's in my pocket? Bitch, you're just asking for God and be like, praise the thing. <laughs> yeah. That, that, is, that is very true. The where, what's in my pocket? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. What is in I would have done like, what was my first horse's name? Yeah. Even I don't know his name. Like my first horse's name was in Arabic. <laughs> huh? Like I just know him from the lottery name Kino. <laughs> yeah. So, I think it's very interesting your point that you brought up about if Bilbo hadn't been as well read as he was, mm-hmm. he'd have been like got like he would have been Gollum meat basically. Mm-hmm. How do you how differently do you think this whole novel would have played out if in the in the tunnels, in Gollum's tunnels, he did not find that ring? If Bilbo didn't find the ring? Yeah. Do do you think he actually would have found a way out of the capture of the goblins based on what we know about his intelligence? If Bilbo didn't find the ring. 
Okay, I'm gonna say what I think I just interpreted from your sentence. Well, mm-hmm. if what if Bilbo didn't find the ring, then later on Sauron would have found Gollum because he did find Gollum and he did hold him captive and he was tortured because he didn't have the ring. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, if Sauron found Gollum and he had the ring, oh my God, Lord of the Rings would have ended so fucking quick. It wouldn't have been Lord of the Rings. It would have been the ring. It would have been the ring. It would have been war. It's not even war. The ring would have been fucking found. That was the whole purpose. Like, one of the main purposes in the entire Lord of the Rings plot. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm even wondering, just like, within the context of The Hobbit, because the ring is how he helps the dwarves escape the goblins. Like, I'm wondering if he would have even figured out a way to do so without the ring because we can see he's resourceful and he's intelligent and we're getting examples of this but realistically i I don't know if he would have been able to escape because Gollum was like my mom is gonna listen to this episode so i gotta remember not to say some stuff uh Gollum is cannibalistic so i definitely believe he would have eaten bilbo Mm -hmm. um but bilbo's also crafty so like he could have possibly like it's just the way Bilbo would have handled it because he would never ask that pocket question if he wasn't like twiddling with it in his like pants Mm -hmm. so like that was the sentence yeah damn it (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) so like I feel like he would have escaped because of how crafty and how he can read the room and what's around him so he can see what is of use and what is of not Mm-hmm. I want to say he would have escaped. However, like, I mean, down the see, then there's the problem because he used the ring when he was with uh, Smaug. So I'm kind of like, yeah, he definitely would not escape Smaug. <laughs> Realistically, in my opinion, he would have escaped Gollum, but he would not have been able to save the dwarves from the goblins. No, no. Because the ring, being able to use the ring and knowing that he had that power tucked inside yeah. helped his confidence a lot. Yeah. It, it gave him, him that like, boost of confidence yep. when everybody didn't believe that he was brave. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he could like slither around in the shadows because nobody could see him, it gave him that bravery that I think he really needed to see he had. Yeah. I also he think this is a complete side note. Uh, not a complete side note it's not in our notes that's why i'm saying it's a side note i think it's very interesting to see the dynamic of a character like bilbo who really doesn't seek power or status being being the one to come across something so powerful because we know mm-hmm. Gollum when he was smeagol he wasn't he didn't seek power but when he saw the ring he was enticed by it he was enticed by the power versus when bilbo finds the ring he's like oh this is gonna save my life and my friends lives mm-hmm Mm-hmm. I never understood the obsession with the ring. Like when Gollum got it, he like turned to a whole ass little gremlin. I'm like, Bilbo never did. <laughs> and the, I mean, Gollum see... was he like he wasn't a hobbit. I don't think, but he was like of the mortal realm. He was like humanish. Yeah. <laughs> He's described as something close to human. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like he was just out fishing one day and he found the ring. <laughs> yeah, and then he killed his friend for it, which is like, ooh, okay. But that's that not in this book, so. <laughs> we will talk about that when we talk about the other book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, talking gen- in ge- the general sense. So, I don't know if you remember this from reading, because we both have read this book in the past. Yeah. 
you remember how much Tolkien over described things? Yeah, but I also like that because I like the description so I can build the world in my head. And I think in the long run, that's actually like for me, it was way too much to read. But in the long run, it helps people make maps. It helps there's maps in the book, but it helped people make maps, helps them build the world mentally. And also now that the movies have been made, it helped build the movie worlds. Yeah. I did see a joke though that someone made about The Hobbit, um, about J.R.R. Tolkien just wanting to actually write a musical because there's so many fucking songs in The Hobbit. Oh my god. And in The Lord of the Rings. And I was like, you know, you're not wrong. There's a lot of songs that it's not like he just says, oh, they sang the hymn of some people. It's the whole song with all the lyrics. <laughs> I like the over description. Especially with the characters, so I could actually see what what they look like. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of books don't do that these days. I'm kind of just making up someone in my head. You have to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Which, in your opinion, and I, I have my feelings about this, but do you think that books now lack that description so you can kind of build your own and put yourself inside that character? Yeah, but also I want to see what the author's character is in their mind. Yeah. So, like, for me, because for me, when you're not giving me a description, I immediately, like, think of, like, a six foot three, strong, bulky male, mm -hmm. typically with dark hair and light skin. That's literally it for you me. You associate it with characters of that type. Yeah. But, like, in Tolkien, that's not what's happening here. Yeah. And I think but that's... I like the fact that I can see a you know four foot little man mm -hmm. with his big old hiking backpack and his, his red hair you know like i'm happy i can see that and his little walking stick i'm happy i can see this man walking in my head i think that's also a partially a sign of tolkien's like because of his time and also of his caliber as a writer because c.s lewis does the same thing where it's not he doesn't over describe like tolkien does as far as landscapes but mm -hmm. the people and the creatures he's very in-depth with. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that two writers at the time, and I'm pretty sure they knew each other, write with such detail. So it's not like a build-your-own-character. It's, this is who I'm describing. This is what they look like. Deal with it. Yeah, I also liked how the movies interpreted these characters, and they didn't stray too much mm -hmm. from the author's vision. Like, with the orc, especially. especially oh, yeah. They did a good job with the orcs. They were like still like enough to be uh visually satisfying, but also true to the like vision Tolkien had. Yeah, they're still gr they're grotesque, but they're cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Because we've mentioned the movie a couple times, let's talk about some stuff we've seen in the books and how the movie franchise has decided to interpret its view on. Okay. And this is where I'm going to give you and the the listeners a heads up. I have so many feelings about the adaptation, so I'm going to get heated about something. Not necessarily at you, just in general. No, that's okay. I'm sure I'm going to say something you're like, what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> um, we're all passionate about different things. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I'm passionate about Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit, okay. I do love The Hobbit. I like the book more than the movie, to be honest with you. But the movie's not bad in my opinion. Like, it wasn't the worst they could have done. But, like, and that's the thing. There's just like, some stuff that... It's a good movie. It's a bad adaptation. Yeah. 
And that's what I always say when someone's like, well, you watch the movie. I'm like, yeah, no, I like the movie. I don't like it as an adaptation of the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that bit. So let's let's get into this then. <laughs> Where do you want to start here? Because I know if I start in a certain spot, I'm going to get mad immediately. So I want to start, and this might be a roll of the dice. Let's start with Legolas and Tario. <laughs> that was a wrong roll. <laughs> so I hate that they are in this movie. I hate Tariel's character. I hate her, which is kind of funny because the actress is like an anti-vaxxer or something. She came out with some wild shit a couple of years after the movie came out, but I hate Tariel's love triangle with Legolas and Keely. It just does not make sense. Now, it doesn't. I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me pause. I'm Go just ahead. putting this in there because this is all I want to say. I oh, The only reason I like Legolas in this movie was be, like the only bit I liked was at the end when he's talking to his dad. And the dad refers to the ranger. That's the only fucking reason. Because it only made sense for Legolas to find the ranger. I was like, I love. Everybody knows I'm. A, I sim for Aragorn. But like, that also links the Hobbit movies to Lord of the Rings. Yes, their love triangle does none of that. That's like, the only reason I liked it was because of that. It was very accurate to like the connection. That was it. The love thing was fucking weird as shit. And the thing is. It. Is they were trying to do much of like a fa- too much of like a movie fan service by having Legolas in there. He's not actually even in the the Hobbit book. Yeah, he's not even mentioned. So the fact that he's and some people are gonna be screaming about the fact that I'm like he's not even mentioned, but like the fact that he has no role in the book has no relevance in the book and is put in such a forefront in the movie. I personally am like that takes away for me from the the feeling of the hobbit book which is like they're going they're mighty adventures going on an adventure but they also learn a lot about each other on the way and build bonds and here it's like legolas kills some orcs in lake town and tariel saves keely's life and i'm like i didn't need any of this i just didn't like <laughs> I not necessary. no i actually get that um yeah, I don't know why Legolas had to be in this movie. Also, they didn't have, like, it wasn't like him and Tariel were in a relationship or anything like that. And then she just abandons him and then gets with uh, Keely. Uh, it wasn't anything like that. It was just, like, him in the friend zone and then his his feelings were but hurt. And then he saw his crush crying over a dead body and was like, I am out. Yeah, he literally is just pining after her and she's like, you know that wouldn't be appropriate and his dad's like you know my son's in love with you and she's like that wouldn't be appropriate and it's like okay cool then that's dead and done done and dusted yeah. like move on yeah you know what i mean i was just kind of like i didn't see a huge like there wasn't like a huge thing that legolas did he didn't even really there wasn't anything that was significant to this movie and that he had to be here the only thing that he like and it's not significant to the movie, but the only thing that happens for Legolas in this is he learns more about his mother and he goes to Dogledore. And that's it. And I might have butchered the way that's said, but I'm like, I have feelings about it. But yeah. that's the only thing he does. And it it really, as a way of linking the the old, you know, Lord of the Rings movies to the new Hobbit movies, with, which is so weird because the Hobbit comes before Lord of the Rings, but in a way of linking them, I get that like these p- things have been brought in 
but at the same time, I don't think anyone would have been like, I don't get the connection if there wasn't those pieces. Exactly. So how do you think this romance helps or hurts the plot? I think it helps the uh, the pockets of the executives who had the movie made. <laughs> <laughs> the romance... Oh, fuck, Lauren, let's look their names up. <laughs> <laughs> so the romance subplot is literally just to make it a more diverse viewing audience. So like that girlfriend that gets dragged along because her boyfriend's a Lord of the Rings nerd she can at least watch some romance happen and tries to invest in the movie. It doesn't need to be there. I don't think it really adds anything. I think it... Also, okay. I love Aiden Turner, who plays Keeley. And I love that he's hot in this movie. But he's a dwarf. He's not supposed to be hot. Like, that was such a disservice to... Who, Keeley? Yes. (laughs) Him being, like, teenage heartthrob is such a disservice to Tolkien's vision of dwarves. So what you're trying to tell me is shout out to Peter Jackson for wanting to make a quick buck. <laughs> he absolutely did that to make a quick buck. Let's be real. Because there's the very first scene in the movie where you see Keely. He has all this extra dwarf makeup on that is not continued through the rest of the movie. His nose is bigger. His ears are pushed forward. He looks different. And then after that, they're like, nah, this is fine. We're trying to get that romance subplot in there. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't feel it. I felt like I didn't feel like romance was the entire like there's it wasn't even a plot point that should have been considered because it ruins the book franchise. It does. It makes I don't know. I didn't like the romance and I like I didn't like that they romanticized Thorin and Bilbo either. Like Yeah, their friendship was much more rough and gruff than it is in the movies. Like they get to that point or yeah in they, the get book, to that they get to that point but like at the end in the book not the book in the movie i was like what happened in those caves <laughs> yeah and that's the thing is like so this is a note we have but it actually links into this when thorin dies bilbo is like heartbroken sobbing like his whole soul is dying in the movies in the book Thorin, Killy, and Philly, their deaths are just announced. You don't see it happen. It's like, oh, and then they had the funerals for Thorin, Killy, and Philly, and it's like, wait, they died? Yeah. And I remember reading it and being like, what? When did that happen? That's why, like, in the in the movie, at least, it kind of, like, even if it was, like, quick, like, with Philly, you know, he was kind of just shot, and then he fell off the mountain. Uh, Thorin's, I felt like his death, if it was in the books, I feel like it had been really cool. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, I felt like they were kind of making up for that in the books as well. Yeah. Because Thor it, was the leader of the group. In the book, it should have at least had a moment. I feel they... like his scene in the movie, is it's super cool to watch. I will not lie about that. It feels a little fan fiction-y. Knowing that that doesn't happen in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh, you just wanted him to have this epic fight scene to the death. So you did. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And again, I get that's another thing of, like, we want to make sure the people coming to see this movie are actually entertained. I just, I didn't like the romance. It ruined the plot for me. Yeah. So, talking about the kind of bigger picture conversion, how do we think stretching The Hobbit into three movies helps or hurts the portrayal of Tolkien's original writing? 
If you can make it into one book, you can make it in one movie. I agree with that. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. If you can make it in one book, you can make it in one movie. Because let's, if we think about it, The Hobbit's only slightly longer than each of the Lord of the Rings books. Mm-hmm. Why does it need to have three movies for one book? I didn't get it. I was like, sure, it'd be a long movie, but like we've had movies get longer and longer these days. Like I, I just watched a three-hour movie, the, a four-hour movie the other day. Yeah, you could do I, it. And I get like I like that because they stretched out the. It could have been two movies realistically. I think two movies would have been okay. Yeah, they I feel had like had... now the second book, the second movie, and the third movie could have been one movie. Yes, absolutely. Because the second movie was such a bridge movie that it was like, why did I watch this? If they had taken out the romance subplot and taken out this, like, Legolas subplot about his mother and building up to Lord of the Rings, they could have done two movies and they still would have been able to have those cinematic shots that very well represent the way that Tolkien describes location. Yeah. Because they had a lot of those things and he also takes time to do that, which is part of the reason that I'm, like, over-description, but also it helps you visualize i just did not feel like it warranted three movies it they just put so many subplots in there that weren't necessary and they just should have been taken out yeah on the notice subplots do we think that the gandalf scenes about him going to fight like this necromancer were really needed i don't think they were needed it was done in the lord of the rings i don't think they were needed really Mm-hmm. I think there was a moment when they saw the sword they could have just concluded they could have had the meeting where they're like Sauron's back and then that's that and yeah. I mean with the orcs it's kind of like fucking obvious that Sauron's back <laughs> I mean, you know yeah. what I mean it's the orcs the orcs and the uh, it's so obvious like they're not just a band of rebels. Like they're lady. They're it's Sauron. Why did we need the whole battle? I'm they like, didn't just decide. You know, we're gonna make ourselves and then go fight. And if you even seen Lord of the Rings, this, like they talk about it in in the beginning of it. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't and think. It's again, I feel like it's another one of those like, if we add this context in here, people will come see it, and maybe then they'll want to see Lord of the Rings as well. Right. Which is like. Lord of the Rings Sauron, has been like doing you have been like who's Sauron, you know? Yeah. And we All already right. know Galadriel is powerful as shit. Yeah. That scene again. Now, so if you just watch the new Rings of Power show, you could also get that. And I don't know why I got a show. I'm not going to lie. But. Yeah. I mean, like we've been saying, money grab. <laughs> money, money, money. Uh, so let's talk about Bilbo's loss of status. At the end of this giant adventure. Okay. Um, so we already said about him like having his stuff sold. Yeah. It's very interesting that he goes off, he fights in a battle, he becomes friends with the dwarf prince who we know that dies, but he makes friends with dwarven royalty mm-hmm. and he comes back and he is treated as not a scourge of the earth but like an outsider i just felt like he was such an important character in this quest because he literally was sought out for 
mm-hmm. by Gandalf and the dwarves. And at the end of it, he didn't have anything to show for it except memories. And then he made a book about it. Yeah. And I mean, he had money, but it was like this money does not replace the friends he's lost or the people that he's now so far away from. Yeah. You know, I was kind of like the people in uh, the Shire are kind of just like, oh, Bobo, you're not dead. Yeah. You, you know, like, and then he's labeled as the crazy guy of the village and Lord of the Rings, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> he, just, he had nothing to show for it. And I mean, I feel like he didn't really have any in the Hobbit. He doesn't have really any close connections with anyone. Mm-hmm. so it's kind of no surprise that when he comes back everyone's just like oh great you're alive guess I uh, can't buy your stuff now like that's pretty much the extent of it yeah I just felt like they could have done old Tolkien could have done something you know and I so- always feel like him not doing something was more of a statement than if he had said oh he came back and everyone was like oh that's so cool let me hear about your adventure I would have liked that ending where like Frodo had Sam so I like the idea of Bilbo having someone in the village and then coming back years later and then that person like grew and everything like mm-hmm. had a family and stuff and they're like you know happy to see him and then like the ending of the book would have been something along the lines of let me tell you a story like I like that that sounds cute oh yeah but I, I can definitely like seeing that, but like it's also another statement by not doing it. And I wonder if he really would have realistic if he, he would have gone if there was someone back home who would be worried about him. Yeah, because I feel like him being so isolated, he has his mother's, um, his mother and father's heirlooms, but they're not around anymore. So there's nothing really holding him there. Versus Frodo goes because Bilbo asks him, you know. To, mm-hmm. to destroy this ring because it's Frodo goes and like Frodo in the movies is such a little bitch but whatever um, Frodo goes for the sole purpose of helping someone he loves yeah Bilbo goes because he has no one there that he loves yeah I don't know that's just how I thought about it I think it had been cute oh it would have been freaking adorable I think it had been so cute it would have been <laughs> even cuter if they were like you're welcome to stay here and come visit anytime you know Mm-hmm. Like, if the dwarves had made a place for him. But, of course, then Lord of the Rings wouldn't happen if he'd stayed with dwarves. But, but yeah. And that's how I said, felt about that, at least. Yeah. Now, how about you tell me about Bard's character in the books? Okay. So, in the books, Bard, Bard the Bowman, is actually a employee, like a close... He's like a steward of the Lord of Lake Town. Mm-hmm. He is very loyal to him. He's very, very much on the tight and narrow um, path, very rule abiding. And I think it's really interesting that he is such a, he's kind of a stuck up, like, goody goody in the books. Anal retentive is what you mean? Yes. I couldn't think of the words. Yes. That is very Anal much. Anal retentive. Right. Yeah. And then in the movies, he's, like, this rebel who defies the Lord of Lake Town. And, like, in both, he has a role in killing the dragon, but he has such a deeper story in the movies than he does in the books. And I'm wondering if, like, I'm wondering what choice went into that. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I don't know. I don't know what made Bard in the movie become so rebel-like, like sneaking the dwarves into Lake Town, hiding them in his house, you know. We see him as a lord after Smog's desolation. Mm-hmm. We see that because the lord is dead, you know, and then that one weird-ass dude's always sticking around, but... yeah. Uh, in the books, I don't know if I, I didn't have any strong feelings necessarily about him being so strict, but also I could see why he was strict because these strangers coming to his town saying they're going to wake up the dragon. Yeah. I can understand that. And then in the book, in the movie, I understood the fact that he's like, oh my God, he's going to kill my children by waking this dragon up. So yeah, and I understood like all these different stuff. Mm-hmm. And reasonings why these two characters are the same, but so different. And he's very much less significant when he is an underling of the Lord than when he is a rebellious figure that, like, takes care of his own. And I'm wondering if that's, like, they needed a human character who wasn't a complete sleazeball. Because they replace him in his position with Alfred, who is a complete sleazeball, and makes Bard be someone who knows right from wrong but also is like kind of laying low for his family's sake mm-hmm. i get that i could get behind that i'm also trying to remember if this fun fact i have is actually true or not i'll get back that up <laughs> i am pretty sure she was in the lord of the rings i think yeah bard's kids are some are bar the bone are somehow related to um, someone who worked on the cast. That's why I'm, like, having a moment. Nesbitt. I also love the people listening have I mean, no idea sisters. what I'm muttering to myself. Why I mean, are they're just... sisters. Yeah. Well, they're actually sisters, but they're James Nesbitt. Yes. Their dad is one of the dwarves in real life. Oh, yeah. I was like, I know there's some kind of familial link in here. Yeah, so, um, oh, what was his dwarf's uh, name? Oh. It's either Biffer or Bofer. We'll say Bofer. <laughs> I could also just look up Let's dwarf. just look him up. <laughs> We're, like, struggling to remember this name as if uh, Google's not sitting in front of us. Character name, what was... What uh, is his name? Look... Go down to the hobbit and look Bofer. at the cast. <laughs> right here. Bofer. Bofer. Okay. Bofer's uh, actor, uh, James Nesbitt. His daughters actually were in the movie uh, and they played Bard the Bowman's daughters. Yes. Damn, that took too long. <laughs> it was like I was having a thought, but I couldn't express the thought while trying to have the thought. It was, it was rough. <laughs> it was. <laughs> just worked out. <laughs> But yeah, we didn't really talk much about the book, but also like if you've seen the movies, you've kind of, you've, you're very familiar with the book. Yeah. With some extra that really doesn't need to be in there. But um, if we're rating, let's rate, let's rate the book and then we'll rate the movie. I like the book. I'll give it a four out of five, four and a half out of five. I'll give it a four out of five purely because Thor and Killian Philly don't get a funeral and they deserve one. Yeah. I could get behind that reasoning. My reasoning for doing that like half thing was just because I could I wish he had like a friend yeah. <laughs> that he went home to and now That's I'm thinking so about sad. this idea 
I'm thinking about this idea and I'm like, fuck, I want to write a book about that now. Where it has that kind of ending. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just rewrite the Hobbit completely. Once upon a time. <laughs> but uh, for the book, I mean the movie, I'll stretch, I'll give it a three. If I'm talking like as an adaptation, hard to. As an adaptation, then like one and a half. Yeah. A two is is me being nice and forgiving. Yeah. Because their dwarf casting was on point and their Bilbo casting was really good. Yeah. But, uh... Adaptation? Mm, nah. Yeah, no. As just a movie, it's like a four for me because I, I watch it frequently and I like watching it because yeah. I'm able to... I'm, it's one of the few things I'm able to separate from the book when I'm watching it. But, yeah. The Hobbit, folks. <laughs> So next week we're going to be talking about another Colleen Hoover book, Ugly Love. Ah. I just got it in the mail today, so I'm very excited to read it. Um, okay. <laughs> oh no! Don't do that, bro. I can't read any more Colleen Hoover's books. They're so fucking depressing, and I keep getting TikToks of like stuff they're talking about from these books. I'm like, why would you? Why is this written? Well, if it makes you feel any better and the people listening, the week after that we have Book Lovers by Emily Henry, so it's uh, hopefully a lighter romance novel. I haven't started that, but I hope it got better. <laughs> and then we get into Christmas stuff, so. Christmas. And there is a, uh, there's a Christmas romance novel in there for you, girl. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right, folks. All right, we will see you next time. Bye, bye. Bye.